0: Celebrational Life service here at the church this Saturday at 10 o'clock. So we'd love for you to join us uh, this Saturday at 10. And by the way, I want to pray for these boxes. I still feel like my mic's a little loud. Jeremiah, turn it down a little bit. Um, These boxes that are going out around the world to kids that uh, will be opening them and feeling the love of God in these boxes. And they'll be connected with people that will tell them about Jesus. So let's pray for these boxes as we open up the word of God this morning. Lord, I thank you for these boxes that are here this morning. I know that more are coming and more can still come. But we want to dedicate these boxes to you as they will be sent to uh, various countries around the world to kids that have virtually nothing, and they'll be introduced to you, Lord. So I pray you'd uh, bless these boxes, and I pray, God, that as kids open them, they'll be reminded of the greatest gift of all, and that was you. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, today I want to talk about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It's it's the best message of your life. The most important message that can leave your lips is the message about Jesus Christ, called the gospel, which means good news. And by the way, all around us, we are experiencing bad news, right? It's in the world all around us. The world is so hungry for some good news right now, some great news and during Thanksgiving, during Christmas especially the season that celebrates the birth of Christ you might have an opportunity to share Jesus with others who need to hear it I had one guy come to me and say hey Mel, a friend of mine came to me and said how do I become a Christian? and he said, do you know what I told him? he was really excited to tell me, I I could tell and I was really excited to hear what he told him I was like, no, what, what did you tell him? He said, I told him to call Pastor Mel and uh, (laughs) that he would be able to tell. Now, I love that answer. I mean, that's a good answer, right? I mean, that's good. I love telling people about Jesus. But a better answer would have been what? Let me tell you. Let me tell you how you can become a believer in Jesus Christ, what it means to to be a follower of Christ. And that's what I want to do today. There's a little booklet inside your notes that's been translated in over 200 languages. More than 2 billion people have read it. And if someone asked me today, hey Mel, what's a good book to give to someone that capsulizes how to become a believer in Jesus Christ and how to begin to grow in your walk with Christ? The answer I would give would be this booklet that is in your bulletin. It used to be called The Four Spiritual Laws and now the title of the book is Would You Like to Know God Personally? Right? And it's in a number of different forms but this booklet is what I would recommend. We have another um, book set of booklets that look a lot like this. Different cover but same content and we have them here at the church. What I would love for you to do is have this book, uh, booklet in your wallet, in your purse, in your them around in my backpack everywhere I go. I've given them to people in airplanes, in trains, at doctor's offices. An amazing gift to leave with someone that capsulizes the gospel message. But here's the goal. We should have that message in our heart. We should know it without the booklet. And that's what I want to do today is to go over the most important message your life can ever give. It's the gospel message the good news that changes people's eternity the bottom line today is this the content of our faith is important people say to me all the time i believe in what well i believe in, in santa claus well that, that, that's not gonna get you to heaven i believe in the easter bunny not gonna get you to heaven it just illustrates that the content of what we believe is important. It's not enough to simply say, I have faith. In what? In who do you have faith? What we believe matters. Therefore, we must clearly understand the gospel message and how to share it. And it's a great message. It's an awesome message. Uh, one author that I've loved over the years is a man by the name of Howard Hendricks. He was also a professor at Dallas Theological seminary, great author, he said this, and I totally agree with him. In the midst of a generation screaming for answers, Christians are what? Stuttering. My goal today is for us to never stutter again when it comes to what the greatest answer to man's dilemma is on this planet First Peter 3.15 is a verse that we've shared quite a bit here at Riverview Church it says this, in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as what? as holy he's, he's set apart, he's special in my life, he has first place, nothing else should come close, that's what is meant by uh, the Lord saying have no other gods before me Nothing in your life should be something you love more than me, God says. Set apart Christ as holy in your life. Honor him as holy, always being what? Prepared. Now, we know it's a mystery when it comes to how a person comes to faith in Christ. God is working behind the scenes, and God gets all the glory for bringing us to a point where we are saved, we're forgiven, we're adopted into the family of God. Ultimately, it's a work of God. But He commands us to be prepared, to be ready to give the gospel to be ready to share what God has done in your life and how a person can come to know Jesus. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for reason, for the hope that is in you. When people meet you, there should be this response that, wow, this person has a hope that I don't have. This person has a confidence about his or her life that I don't have. There's a hope in that person. People will be curious to find out what causes that. I want to go over exactly what the Bible says about how a person can find that hope. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Here's another verse. Paul was in prison. He asked people to pray for him. The prayer wasn't, hey, pray that I would get out of prison was not the prayer. Even in prison, Paul was praying this. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door, not of the prison, but to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. We need to make the gospel clear. When people ask us, how do you become a Christian? What does that mean? We need to make it clear. With that in mind, I'd like you to take out this booklet. We're going to just use this booklet as a basis for what we're talking today. I want to give you some illustrations that I use in sharing the gospel that during Thanksgiving and maybe Christmas and beyond, you can use with others that will help clarify the gospel in their mind. Here's the first point in this booklet, and it's a great one. I love it. Point number one is this. God loves you and created you to know him personally the world needs to know that God loves you and he created you to know him personally the world needs to know God loves the world God loves every person on the planet and here's the second part of point number one he has a wonderful plan for your life there have been people that have said to me well hey, how can God have a wonderful plan for everyone's life what about the people that were on a jet airplane and all of a sudden the engines go out and the airplane is crashing? What happened to the wonderful plan for their life? Is God's plan still in effect for a believer who's on an airplane that's about to crash? Is His wonderful plan still in effect? Absolutely it is. Can you imagine being in that situation without God? See, every one of us is coming to the end of the the lives that we've been given every day we're one day closer, right? Every one of us will meet the end of our lives at some point. Here's God's wonderful plan. Your life doesn't end when you die. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you go from this life in one moment to eternal life the next. It's in a blinking of an eye. That's how fast it happens. And God's wonderful plan is this no matter what happens on this planet, you have eternal life in Jesus Christ. You're created for eternity with God, for this awesome place that He has prepared for you. By the way, these are all verses that are in this booklet that you should memorize. Uh, read them a few times, you'll begin to memorize these verses, and instead of having to say, oh yeah, let me show you in this booklet what the Bible says about God's love, let me show you, I can't quite get forward pages of it again in this booklet, let me pull out this booklet and tell you what it's all about. Instead, you'll say, hey, this is what God's word says. In John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, I love the word whoever, whoever believes in him should not what? Perish. Perish. That's the bad news. That's the bad news. Eternal separation from God. But instead, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you will have eternal life. That's all about God's love for you. And here's God's plan. John 17, 3, it says this, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's the good news the world needs to hear today. It's not about this church or that church. It's about the message of Jesus and what it's all about. Someone said to me recently, well, I I believe in God and I call myself a Christian, but I don't believe in this whole Jesus sacrificing himself on the cross thing. I don't believe in the Jesus thing. I just believe in God and I still call myself a Christian. I said to him, you can't leave Jesus out and call yourselves a Christian, amen? I said, you can't do that. That's a different faith. See, if you're a Christian, the centerpiece of your faith is Jesus Christ God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's what being a Christian is all about. That's what putting your faith in Jesus Christ is all about. You can't leave him out. Here's the problem it's point number two in the booklets. You don't have to say point number two when you share it with somebody. Here's the problem. People are sinful and separated from God so we cannot know Him personally or experience His love and plan. And I get it. People don't like that that point. People say to me, oh, Mel, how dare you say that I'm sinful? How dare you say that? Or uh, they'll they'll say, well, I, I may have done something wrong. In fact, I will find that people will readily admit that they have done things wrong. They will readily admit that. The struggle they have is believing that the things they have done wrong somehow do away with all the good that they've done, right? And it's wonderful that people do good things. But the Christian message, what Jesus said, is so clear. And I always tell people, this is not my opinion. It's just what Jesus taught. And I'm a follower of Jesus. I follow what he says. Why? because he died and rose again which sets him apart from every other religious teacher that ever walked the planet and I've said this here at Riverview Church and I share with people all the time when I talk to them about my faith I choose to follow the one who died and what? rose again I'm not going to follow someone who died and stayed dead I choose to follow the one who died and rose again And the reality is, Jesus taught about our sin and our rebellion against God. That we've done things wrong. And people admit that, but here's the reality. We are in this universe with an awesome, holy God. And the reality is, the Bible tells us, sinful beings like me cannot be in the presence of a holy God. We would die at that very moment. We'd be destroyed at that very moment. So our sins need to be paid for. Romans 3.23, another great verse to memorize, says this, For all have sinned. We've disobeyed God's plan for our lives. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, we fall short of His glory. And uh, uh, James 2, which isn't a verse in this booklet, but I love what it says because I've had people say to me, Well, no, I haven't disobeyed all the Ten Commandments. I, a couple, maybe I've lied, and maybe I've done this, or been jealous and coveted people's things, but I haven't broken all the Ten Commandments. In fact, the Jews in Jesus' day often taught that they were not guilty of the law if they did not violate all of the Ten Commandments. But James tells us this in James 2:10, "For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. We're guilty before God this awesome holy being but he has a plan right and the sad news is that sin has an impact the impact is found in Romans 6:23 the wages of sin is death what is that death spiritual separation from God that between God and man there is a chasm there is a gap and virtually every religion on this world is all about what can I do to somehow get God's attention so that he'll be impressed with my goodness in fact here's a great question to ask people if you get in a conversation about faith in Jesus Christ the question is this and I've shared it with you before but you could write it down and remember great question if you stood before God today and he asked you why should I let you into heaven what would you say? It's like a family feud question, right? The top five answers are on the board, right? What's the number one answer that you hear when you ask that question of people? Number one answer is what? Yeah, I'm a good person. Hey, God, yeah, yeah, I've done some things wrong, God, but I'm a good person. I mean, you should see my neighbors next door. I mean, come on, God. I'm better than they are. The problem is this, the Bible is so clear that our goodness doesn't solve the problem of our sin. It'd be like being stopped by a police officer for going 120 miles an hour down Highway 76. And the police officer pulls you over and says, hey, you know what, you're going 120 on Highway 76. It's not a good thing. It doesn't really do much if you say, but officer, 10 minutes ago, I was obeying the speed limit. And yesterday, I obeyed the speed limit the whole time. I was really good. See, the goodness of your driving doesn't negate the fact that you violated the law in this point. You're still going to get a ticket. That's the whole point of the gospel. We have a sin debt that is way too big for us to ever repay in and of ourselves and because God is a holy being, he needed a just payment for that sin. So what did he do? He gave his only son. You know, my, my son's sitting right there. If, uh, and I've shared this with you before. Great illustration, though, for people who struggle with that. Why, did God, why didn't God the Father come down? Why did he send his son? Well, if you're with your son and someone came up to you and said, Hey, one of you's dying tonight, Dad. It's either you or your son. Who's it going to be? Pointing a gun at my head. If you're a dad, you know, you, you would say, take my life, save my son. Save my son. God wanted us to know he gave the very best that he had. He gave his son. That's the point of Romans 8. He didn't withhold his son from us. If he didn't withhold his son, he didn't say, oh, take me, don't take my son. He didn't withhold his son. If he doesn't withhold his son, how much more will he give us? for those that place their faith and trust in Him. See, all of our efforts to try to impress God with our goodness, they all fall short. They don't bridge that gap between us and God. That leads us to the next page in this booklet and the message that we should give people. Jesus Christ is God's only provision for our sin. And I get it like you do. When the world hears that, they don't like it. When the world hears that, they say, oh, I don't like that. I don't want to hear that. But that's the message of Jesus, the one who died and rose again. He is the only provision. Through him alone, you can know God personally and experience God's love and plan. The Bible says this in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us, us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He subbed in for you. If you've ever played sports, you don't want anybody subbing in for you. If you're ever out on the court or the field, you don't like it when you see a coach send somebody to the scorer's table for them to come in for you and take your place. But this is the one moment when we should absolutely rejoice in God subbing in for us. Jesus took our penalty. And the only thing we have to do is believe it in faith that Jesus died for us, He took our place. It's an amazing message of love an amazing message of grace. He came in and took our place. He subbed in for us the substitutionary atonement for Christ. And the moment you believe it, your sins are nailed to the cross with Christ. I do a lot of funerals, and I almost always share this message because it's so powerful. Jesus went to the death uh, party of, or the funeral of Lazarus, his friend. He'd been dead four days. When he gets there, Martha says, Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would be alive. Jesus said, your brother's going to rise again. Yeah, I know, one day, he's going to rise again. Then he turns to Martha and says this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never, what, Never die, never perish. Then he turns to Martha and asks her the most important question she'll ever be asked in her life. It's this. Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe it? She said, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That message changed her eternity. And the question that people need to be asked is, do you believe this? God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died in our place. First Corinthians 15 talks about the fact that he rose from the dead. Christ died for our sins. He was buried, was raised on the third dead. According to the scriptures, he appeared to Peter, then to the 12, and after that to more than 500. See, he's the one who died and rose again. And the message is this: the twelve people say, well, how do you know that? How do you know he died and rose again? Think about it. Twelve of his disciples who were doubters to begin with, they, they deserted Jesus. They were not inclined to believe. But every one of them experienced the resurrected Christ. Every one of them put their faith in Jesus Christ. Every one of them gave their life as a martyr for Jesus Christ. Every one of them. Now, I've said this before and I, I think all of us need to hear it so that you can share it with your friends nowhere in human history will you find 12 people who would have known the resurrection was a lie if it didn't happen if it didn't happen the 12 disciples would have known that and the story going around that he rose from the dead they would have known it was a lie if it didn't happen so, if it didn't happen, nowhere in human history will you find 12 people who knew something was a lie and yet willing to die horrific deaths for a lie. The reality is, not one recanted, not one changed his mind, no, no one said, Oh, don't kill me, don't, don't crucify me upside down. That was just a story we made up. No, every one of them died for what they knew was true, they knew it wasn't a lie. Jesus Christ had risen from the dead and they gave their lives for that reality. And then hundreds and thousands of others came to faith in Christ. Even skeptics today will say, you know, something must have happened in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago for thousands of people to put their faith in Christ and the church to spread around the world. It wasn't an army marching into Jerusalem saying, believe in Jesus or die. That didn't happen. In fact, the message was really more like this. If you believe in Jesus, you will die. All the disciples were killed for their faith. Many thousands would follow. But the truth is the truth. Jesus rose again from the dead after paying the price for your sins and mine. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? John 14 says this. These are Jesus' words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, God made a way. It wasn't about us trying to reach up to God and get his attention and be impressed with our goodness so I could go into heaven and say, oh, man, heaven is so great. I deserve this place. I am such a good person. See, God warns us against that. See, God made a way. It's through the amazing work of Jesus on the cross that bridged the gap between God and man. But here's the most important step, and this is where we should give our friends the opportunity to reject Christ or accept him. We must individually receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Not just enough to say, hey, yeah, Lord, I want all the benefits of going to heaven. I want all of that, but don't ask me to be anything like you. See, when you come to Christ, you say, Lord, I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. My life has changed from this day forward because I want to be like you. Not to get heaven. You've already received it by faith in Jesus Christ. But out of love for Jesus, you want to be like Him. We must individually receive Christ. Then we can know God and, and experience Him personally. If today was your birthday... And uh, I wanted to, Phil, I wanted to give you this Bible on your birthday. I could hold it out. And I do this every Easter, by the way. This is an illustration you could use at a restaurant. Maybe you don't have your Bible with you. Take out your wallet, hold it out, and say, this is a free gift. I want to give it to you. Free gift doesn't cost you anything. Here it is, Phil. When does it become Phil's? When he takes it, I could stand here all day and offer it to him. If he never receives it, it's never his. All right, man, it's all yours. Yeah, it's never his. But the moment he takes it, it's his. It's a free gift. Now, again, if I gave it to him and he received it, and then I said, "By the way, Phil, that Bible cost me forty dollars. Could you pay me back?" Is it a free gift anymore? No. If I said, "That'll be ten dollars." Is it a free gift anymore? If I said that, I'll be one penny. Is it a free gift anymore? No. That's what Romans makes the point of saying. If you try to add to the amazing work of Jesus on the cross by doing something above and beyond what Jesus did for you, you destroy the gift. It's destroyed. See, it's a masterpiece what Jesus did, it's an amazing free gift. Give me the Bible back, man. I can't believe you took my Bible it's an amazing free gift, it's a masterpiece here's another illustration I use with people you could use it as well, I went to the Louvre in France and as you're walking through the Louvre you're amazed by all these paintings on the wall I mean massive paintings that must have taken weeks and months to make the detail is amazing but everyone wants to see one painting at the Louvre, which painting is that? the Mona Lisa, exactly and we were there, we went into this room the Mona Lisa has its own room there are guards there And the room is filled with people. And when you walk in, believe me, this will happen to you. You will be unimpressed. (laughs) It's a painting about this size, hanging on the wall. And yet it's the painting everyone wants to see. Why? Because everyone calls it a masterpiece. I wasn't that impressed so I thought you know what I can improve on that I took out my sharpie and I walked up to the painting and started to improve on it if I had tried to do that what would have happened? I'd be shot right there are guards there at least tackled to the ground if I even got close to it because you cannot improve on a masterpiece. Well, let me tell you this today. The masterpiece of Jesus dying on the cross is so much more of a masterpiece than the Mona Lisa. You can't improve on it. You can't say, God, that was good. Jesus as God dying on the cross for my sins. Wow, I'm impressed. But I gotta add to it. Gotta make it a little better. I gotta do something on my own to be worthy the beauty of the gospel my friends is this the work of Jesus on the cross a masterpiece if you believe he died on the cross for you you are forgiven and you receive him not just as your savior but as your lord you're saying from this day forward I want to follow you Jesus you can't say yeah God I want to go to heaven but I don't want to be anything like you want to do my own thing that's not how you come to God you receive Him as your Savior, the one who died on the cross for you, and as your Lord, the person you want to be like. John 1, 12 says this, As many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. A little point of theology for you. Uh, people in the world today will say, Oh, we're all children of God. It's not the message of Jesus. We're all created by God. We all have the image of God stamped on us. But you only become a child of God when you receive the good news of Jesus Christ that he died in your place. And you receive his forgiveness. You are then adopted into the family of God. You become a child of God to those who believe in his name. Ephesians 2.8.9 can't be more clear says this, and this is another great verse to memorize. By grace, you've been saved through faith. So anyone who thinks, I'm a good person, hey God, I'm ready to come into heaven, they're ignoring this verse, which says the same thing in four different ways. By grace, grace, uh, a great acronym for the word grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. So I get all of God's riches paid for by Jesus. I'm getting something I didn't really pay for, I didn't earn that's grace that's why we say it's amazing every sin that I've ever committed forgiven it doesn't matter how many times I go to church how many good deeds I do if you come to the cross sincerely you're forgiven now in response to that you want to live a life in which you're fellowshipping with other believers and helping others and serving Christ because you want to be like Jesus that's exactly how he lived especially when he laid his life down on the cross for you but by grace you have saved through faith. Not through works, through faith. Then he says it again. And that, not of yourselves. Wait a minute, not, not by something I did? No, it's not of yourselves. Then he says the same thing again. It is the gift of God. You didn't earn it. It's a gift. Not as a result of works. There it is, so plain. That no one should boast. No one's going to come into heaven and say, Man, I deserve this. This is exactly what I deserve. I was so good." you're going to be amazed by the grace of Jesus. You're going to be amazed that God knew you that well and loved you that much that he went to the cross for you, made a way for you because he loves you. That's the message of Jesus. That was the message that Jesus gave Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Nicodemus, you know the Old Testament inside and out, backwards and forwards. You know all the answers to all the questions of the Old Testament. But it's not enough, Nicodemus. Everyone respects you as the teacher of Israel, but you must be born again, Jesus tells Nicodemus. What does that mean? See, when we come into this world, we're dead spiritually. We don't have a relationship with God. But when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, he makes you alive He adopts you into his family, and you have the ability to have a relationship with him. Nicodemus, you were physically born one time. You need to be spiritually born. You need to be born again, made alive by the power of God. I love what 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2 says in the Word of God. It says, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. I get it. The world says, oh man, that cross thing, that sacrifice thing, like that one guy told me, I believe in God, but that whole Jesus and sacrifice thing, nah, I don't believe that. That's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The greatest miracle you will ever experience is the power of God on display when he takes your dead spirit and makes it alive again by your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross for you. But you have to respond to it. You have to believe it. Revelation 3.20 says this, Jesus is speaking, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He wants to come into your life. He won't force himself in. He's not kicking down the door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, I love the word anyone, hears my voice and opens the door I will come into him, and the verse goes on to say, and dine with him and he with me. That starts a relationship with the living, almighty Jesus Christ in your life. Have you made that decision? And by the way, don't be afraid to ask your friends that. Have you made that decision? To place your faith and trust in Jesus. He's standing on the door of your life at the door of your life, and knocking. He's offering you this amazing free gift of eternal life and forgiveness. And all you have to do is receive it and believe it. Have you done that? For me, it was a day that I remember extremely vividly in my life, praying a simple prayer, Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. Forgive me for my sins. Come into my life and change me. From this day forward, I want to follow you. Have you told Jesus that? People say to me at times, they'll say, well, Mel, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I grew up in a Christian home, so I'm a Christian. I will often say, but have you told Jesus you believe in him? I think it's a great thing to tell him. Tell him, Lord, I believe you died on the cross for me. I invite you into my life. Tell him that. There's no harm in saying it. Have you done it? See, receiving Christ involves turning from yourself trusting God to forgive your sins and to make us the kind of person that he wants us to be agreeing intellectually that Jesus died on the cross and yeah I believe that happened and that he uh, was here on the earth that's not enough the Bible says even the demons believe that and they shudder when they think of the implications of it nor is it enough to have an emotional experience thinking that's enough I had an emotional experience one time at church and I think that, that was my moment no, we have to individually receive Christ by faith in this booklet are two circles one where self, that letter S is in control, on the throne of your life Jesus is outside the circle he has no daily involvement in your life that's before you come to faith in Christ when you make that decision you invite him into your life you say, Lord, my life is yours it's no longer mine you take control, you're the Lord of my life I want you to lead me and guide me. At that moment, you invite him into your life. You are born again. You're adopted into the family of God. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are nailed to the cross with Christ. But from this day forward, you want to be like Jesus. That's why what we're sharing today is not my opinion. It's the clear message of the Bible. May it always be the clear message of this church. And it may it always be the most important message that will ever leave your lips because it has the power to change eternities. It's awesome. And the booklet I know gives an example of a prayer that a person can pray, but I want to challenge you today. If you've never made that decision, if you've never told Jesus, Lord, I believe in you, today can be your day. Don't go another day without being certain that you've told Jesus this. You've placed your faith and trust in him. And make sure the message is clear so that if someone asks you, How do I become a believer in Jesus Christ? What does that mean? That the message will be clear, like Paul says, as I ought to make it clear. I want to ask you, Have you made that decision? This could be the greatest day of your life because it's the most important decision you'll ever make. In this booklet, there are, uh, there's other information about how to grow in your faith. But I want to stop here today and challenge you to make that decision in your life. I'm going to ask you to bow your hearts before the Lord today as we close. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't at least ask, is there someone here who wants to make that decision today? I want to say a prayer very similar to the one that I prayed, the very similar to the one that's in this booklet about telling Jesus today, Lord, I believe in you. I put my faith and trust in what you did on the cross for me. You paid the penalty for my sins. If you want to do that today, I'm going to say a prayer and you repeat it in your heart to the Lord. Our God is awesome. The Bible says again and again that He knows your thoughts and intentions. He knows exactly what's in your heart. So you can pray to Him in your heart quietly today and tell Him you're placing your faith and trust in Him. So if that's what you want to do, pray this prayer to Jesus. Dear Jesus, I believe You died on the cross for me. I believe You paid the price for my sins. Forgive me, Jesus. I put my faith and trust in you. Not in my good works, but in you and the work you did for me on the cross, Jesus. I open the door of my life. I invite you in. Take control of my life, Jesus. In Jesus' name. All heads still bowed. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, I think it's something powerful about... Indicating that with a public raising of the hands. Just say, Pastor Mel, I prayed that prayer today and boldly lift your hands up. If you prayed that prayer today, would you boldly lift your hand up and just let me know? Praise God. Praise God. Amen, number of you. Amen. I want to pray for those that raised their hand. Lord, I thank you for those that raised their hand today. It reminds me of the day that I did. And it changed everything in my life. Lord, I pray that as we leave this place, we would be reminded of the most important message of our lives. That you loved us all the way to the cross. And you have the power to free us by faith in you from the penalty of our sin. Lord, we love you today. We can't wait to see you face to face because it's real. And we pray this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's all stand together and this Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise. take those booklets with you, put it in your wallet, your purse, give it to somebody, ask them to read it and tell them, hey, what do you think of this booklet? And get into a conversation about Jesus. Hey, we've elders up front who love to pray with you and live this week all for Him. God bless you. See you on the patio.